So today we have the, uh, the honor of having Pastor Will Hesterberg bring the word to us and uh, also uh, serve the sacrament of Holy Communion for us. Um, just to get to know Will a little better, um, he has served in the same presbytery as a pastor since 1976 and has served with ITEM, uh, which we contribute to in various ways since uh, 1996 as instructor, executive director, secretary and chairman of the board. And he's currently also serving as chairman and chief fundraiser for Monroe County Christian School. He's been married for 45 years, uh, two grown children, both married. Pastor, it's, a, it's uh, an honor to have you bring the word to us today. It is good to be here with you all. Uh, this is the first time I've been with you here. I've uh, been with you in other locations where you've been. I'm one of those odd people who uh, stayed in one presbytery, and I think that's because I don't like to keep taking exams. So I just stayed in the same place. I was born and raised in Waterloo, Illinois, not very far from here, and we have been blessed to be able to go back there again to serve a few years ago in 1993. Uh, I'm familiar with this area also partially because this is where I graduated from college at SIU Edwardsville. First going to uh, Carbondale, as I was talking with uh, Adam, and uh, then uh, coming up here. Open your word to uh, Mark, chapter 8, and we'll be looking with, at verses 11 through 21. It's now been some 248 days since Russia invaded Ukraine, and we've followed the news, we've seen the pictures of destruction that are in that area, we've seen the, the consequences of the choices and things, and we wonder why did Russia decide to do this, particularly as it has brought so much destruction on the land of Russia as well. Some people say, well, it's because Russia has wanted to have uh, an entrance to the Black Sea. That's simply baloney. They've always had an access to the Black Sea. Others say, well, it's because they're afraid of being attacked by NATO and by Ukraine. Again, baloney. When did Ukraine or NATO ever attack Russia? There's no history for that. The simple fact is that wars and human struggles come because people aren't, and countries, aren't content with the things that they have that God has given to them. We saw that in the reading in James chapter 4. Where do struggles, where do trials and problems come from? 
because we aren't satisfied with the things that we have. Simply look at the Garden of Eden, for example. There God created Adam and Eve, and he put them there, and he gave them a tremendous, perfect area. Beautiful, perfect fellowship with him, walking with God in the cool of the day. All of these things, and yet the only thing that they could think about was the one thing they didn't have. Access to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Or take, for example, the Ten Commandments. The first and the tenth commandments sort of act as bookends to the commandments. The first one says to the people of God, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. I've done all this for you. I've given you all of this. I've freed you. Why would you have another God? Or the tenth commandment. Be content with the things that you have. Don't want what your, your neighbor has. We read from 2 Samuel how David wasn't satisfied with what he had, with what God gave him. In fact, God says, I would have given you more if you wanted it. But he couldn't be satisfied with all the things that he had. Or take, for example, today's passage, as we're going to look at it in Matthew chapter 8. Turn there, and let me read for you from God's Word. I noticed you stood when you read God's Word. That's wonderful. Let's stand again. Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to argue with Jesus seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are you your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you have? They said to him, seven, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken loaves did you have then? Did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father... We do want to understand. We don't want to be like the disciples who didn't understand. We don't want to be like the Pharisees who are always looking for something new, something more. Father, would you please open our hearts to your word and open your word to 
our hearts. That when we leave here today, we're not the same as when we came. Your Holy Spirit has been transforming us, and we pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <coughs> we hear here in this passage how the Pharisees wanted another sign, something more to be able to believe in Jesus. More proof. All of the passages that we've considered that have been read, they all teach us a very simple thing. They all connect to the same problem, focusing on what we don't have. And what we see Jesus teaching here in Mark chapter 8 is a very simple truth. When we focus on what we do have in Christ, we will forget about what we don't have, or very simply, if we have Jesus, we have everything to be content and not covet. It's such a simple truth, and yet the disciples didn't get that. They missed it. How's that possible? Well, how is it possible that we so often forget that very same truth ourselves? What we're going to look at today is why? Why do we forget that? Why can't we seem to grasp that? Let's dig into the passage a little bit more. And what we're going to look at specifically is the haves and the have-nots. That's the word that keeps repeating itself here in this passage. Six times, six times in these short verses, you have the Greek word that means have. What did the disciples have? Well, first of all, in verse 14, they had eyes and ears, as 14 and 18 tell us. They had resources. They had means to be able to understand what was being given to them, just like the <clears throat> Pharisees had eyes and ears. Only the disciples had spiritual eyes and spiritual ears that they could begin to understand as well. When Jesus said to them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod, they were thinking strictly physical, yeast, bread, ah, we forgot to bring the bread. Okay, who forgot to bring the bread again? It's kind of like elders sometimes at communion. Okay, who forgot to bring the bread? Who forgot to bring it? They had the Holy Spirit. They had understanding, the disciples. They could see Jesus touching using his hands, healing people, caring about people, reaching out to them. They could hear him speaking, explaining things, but they had the spiritual eyes and ears as well. And if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you have those kind of ears. 
You have those kind of eyes. You have the heart of Christ. You have the mind of Christ as well. You have the Holy Spirit who helps you to understand what Jesus is saying and doing. It's not that the disciples could not understand. Again, Jesus uses this, that word have, and he says, have you hardened hearts? No, they didn't. They had different kind of hearts. They had new hearts that Christ had given to them. And so they could understand what was going on there. The Lord had changed their hearts. He'd given them soft hearts. The Pharisees, by contrast, didn't have the spiritual eyes, didn't have the spiritual ears, or the new heart. Otherwise, Jesus would not have called them what he did, blind leaders of the blind. Once you see from his perspective, once you have his eyes, everything looks different. You understand things very differently. Let me uh, explain <clears throat> with an illustration, and I'll come down here. When you look at this, do you see an animal in this picture? You see an animal? No? Now, do you see the animal? What changed? Your perspective. That's what changed. From one side upside down to the other. Did you ever stop to think that God sees everything upside down, looking down from heaven. Actually, not upside down. He sees it right side up. We're the ones who see it upside down. But when we have his perspective and see it from his angle, we're going to see everything differently from that point on. And that's what Jesus is challenging the disciples here to do. See things differently. The disciples had something else from Jesus. Jesus had given the disciples experience. They were worried that they hadn't brought bread. They say so in verse 17. So Jesus reminds them of two incidences that happened earlier. One of those was the feeding of the 5,000. And then one that happened just a day or two before this incident, the feeding of 4,000. When 4,000 hungry men had come together and they had been with Jesus for three days and now they were getting ready to go home and Jesus wanted to give them something to eat before they went home. And he says to disciples, okay, when I fed the 5,000, um, how many baskets full of leftovers did you collect? Uh, Twelve. Okay. 
And when I fed the 4,000, how many baskets full did you left, have left over from then? Uh, seven, uh, seven. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He is reminding them of past experiences. and so, Now, if these things have happened, what conclusion ought you to draw here? That if you've got me with you, you've got enough bread. You experience that yourself. And Jesus had given the disciples many, many experiences, hands-on experiences. Not only did Jesus go out and heal and uh, care for people and raise the dead, Jesus gave the disciples that same kind of power and that same kind of experience. He sent them out so that they could heal, so that they could raise the dead. They could see that God's power really worked. They had that experience. Over and over again, God has done that for his people. Even at times in the Old Testament, God gave his people experience upon experience. Take, for example, all the different feasts. Passover and all the other feasts like that. It was a fresh opportunity each year for them to relive, to experience the grace of God relived in their lives again. All of those sacrifices, day after day after day, Reminding them the consequences of sin, the penalties of sin, so that they would experience that. Little things like rocks. Remember how God told the Israelites after they came through the Jordan River on dry ground, pick up some of the stones from the middle of the river, bring it to the other side, pile them up, so that every time you go past that pile of rocks, you remember the experience that you had of God bringing you through on dry land. Experiences to remind them of various things. We came back up to this area in 1993 from Owensboro, Kentucky. We came back up here for me to retire, but more importantly for my wife and I to have an opportunity to care for my mother, who uh, was in the beginning stages of Alzheimer's, and uh, to be able to maybe show her the love of Christ and share the love of Christ with her again. She lived with us for about a year. It was a miserable year. We had to put her into the nursing home because we could not take care of her. She went into the nursing home, and about a month or two after she got there, she had the first of her TIAs, those small strokes, only hers wasn't so small. They took her to the hospital, and for five minutes she had no breath, no heartbeat, nothing. She came back as if there were no ill effects. She had a second. She had a third. And after the third one, I said, Mom, I'm really concerned about you because I'm afraid that if you have another one of these, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. And you don't know the Lord. 
And she said, I know I don't. I don't know how to. So I shared the gospel with her again. And she prayed that prayer after me. And I have no doubt that she meant it. God had brought her to that time. Because she only lived for another week. But for the first time in my life, I heard my mother say to me, I love you. And when folks came to the funeral home, they said, what happened to your mom? She was different that last week. Something happened. So I knew that it was real. I believe that God gave us that experience to show us and for me to be able to tell people, never, never miss an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody as long as they are alive. Because you never know. Experiences. God gives us those experiences. We need to remember them. We need to write them down and go back over them again and again and look at them. But there's one last thing that Jesus gave to the disciples here to help them to be content with whatever it was that they had. They had everything. Stop to think about that. Verse 11 says they got into the boat. At that point, everything they had was there in the boat with them. All of their friends, all of their family was there in the boat with them. If that boat went down, they lost it all. It was a microcosm of their world and what they had. Just that. Reminds me of what uh, Job says in uh, his book. Naked I came into the world, naked I will return there. Many people in the world today are not content with the things that they have. Are we? I wonder. How much is enough? A little bit more? All the time? People keep accumulating things, grasping after things. And what's interesting is they grab these things, pursue these things, load them on their boats, and what happens when you keep loading stuff on the boat? Eventually it sinks. We are overloading our lives with pursuits and greed and discontent. And eventually, it goes under. I don't know very many of you. Know just a little bit about some of you. But I can look at each one of you. And I can tell with each one of you how much, when you die, how much you're going to leave behind for your family and your friends. Within a dollar. Everything. (laughs) 
We have everything. If we have the Lord. They had Jesus in the boat with them. He was the bread of life. Remember how just a little bit earlier, when Jesus fed the 5,000, people followed him, and he said, you're just following me because you want bread. He said, I am the bread of life which came down from heaven. If you eat me, my body and you drink my blood. And that was too hard of a saying, and they began to leave him and go away. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, do you want to leave too? And Peter steps up and says, Lord, where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Not all the stuff that we have is going to get us into heaven. Only the words of eternal life that come from Jesus Christ will get us there. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So let's draw some conclusions here, all right? The Pharisees had all the scriptures in the Old Testament. They knew them backwards and forwards. They had Jesus standing right there in front of them. Many of them had seen him do miracles, seen him raise the dead, and they still missed him. The disciples saw many of the miracles, and they still missed trusting in Jesus all the time in every possible way. What about us? What do we think we don't have enough of? If we have trusted with Christ, trusted Christ, we have the spiritual eyes and ears, the heart, the mind, the experiences, and Jesus Christ. We have everything to trust in. Him. A blind boy was sitting in front of a building and he had a hat placed in front of him and a little sign. The sign said, I am blind. Please help me. People were going past and they were dropping in a coin here and a coin there. A man came past, he saw the boy in the sign, he reached into his pocket, he emptied it completely, put it in the hat, and then he took the little boy's sign and he wrote something on the back of it and gave it back to the little boy. He left, went on his way to his job or whatever, but he decided to come back that afternoon to see how the little boy was doing. And when he came back, the hat was overflowing. And the little boy recognized his walk. And he said, are you the man that came past this morning and changed my sign and wrote something on it? He said, yeah, I am. And the boy recognized that something had changed because of that. So he asked him, what did you write on the sign? 
And the man says, I just wrote what you said, only I wrote it in a few different words. I wrote, today is a beautiful day, but I cannot see it. What made the difference? The perspective. People were now beginning to realize what they had. Their eyes. Their sight. And it changed their perspective from that point on. The haves and the have-nots. We are the haves by the grace of God. We can rejoice in that. Let's pray. Our Father, you have been the one to make us the haves. Spiritual eyes and ears, a new heart, a new mind, new life. And the Lord Jesus, forgive us for all the times we lose sight of that. And we become like the rest of the world, looking to the stuff of this world for our happiness and satisfaction, and it's not there. Remind us that we see and we hear with your eyes and ears. And we are grateful and contented and generous with others. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.